please stand to our feet. What an awesome song. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, the Lord says to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord God to thee, O Jacob, I have created you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. And this is the part I like. Chapter 43, Isaiah verse 1, for I still call you by your name. <laughs> the Lord said to Israel, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. Look at somebody and say, he still calls me. When others have forgotten you, people have given up on you <laughs> when the so-called experts write you off <laughs> God said I have redeemed you O Israel I have called you by your name how many of you are so glad that God still calls <laughs> your name let us pray Eternal Father, we thank you. God, we bless you. We honor you this day. We thank you for this awesome privilege to be in your presence, to hear a word from you. Thank you for the many blessings and benefits that you have provided for us. The psalmist asked the question, what then shall I render unto the Lord? all of his benefits towards us he answers his own question and says i will take up the cup of salvation and i will call upon the name of the lord lord we say thank you thank you for this day now bless this word that shall go forth today a word that will not return unto you void not because it comes from the pulpit at the bible way church of atlas road not becomes a, because it comes out of the mouth of Pastor Darrell Jackson, but because it comes from you. <laughs> you are greater than the church organization. You are greater than the preacher who proclaims the gospel. When preachers die, when churches fail, the word will still prevail. And we say thank you. Now, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. It is in your name we pray and give thanks. And the church said, amen. Go greet somebody and say he's still calling your name. Oh, Lord, I'm not perfect. Everybody, Lord. Anybody glad he's calling you?
everybody clap those hands and give God a praise. Look at somebody and say, he still calls you by your name. Woo. Thank you. Would you bless God for the choir, the worship and arts ministry? Sister Chevelle Barboza, the choir. Amen. As we remain standing, there's a word from the Lord. Let me say a very special thank you to so many of you that are here this morning. We had a phenomenal early morning, 8 o'clock service. To all of those that are joining us by way of internet, to the radio listening audience, once again, Bible Way is the number one religious broadcast in the state of South Carolina. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for making that possible. There is a word from the Lord. Earlier this year, this year of 2019, we began uh, a new year with a theme that was simply entitled, Walking by Faith. The scripture says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We were encouraged on New Year's Eve and throughout this year to walk by what we believe, by the faith we have in God, not by what we see, how we feel, or how others are treating us. And now here we are, the 12th month of this year. And I don't know about you, but I'm still walking here by faith. Amen. But on any journey, in fact, on every journey, there are potholes. There are pitfalls. There are things that are designed to knock you off course. Some of them are very visible that you can swerve around. Others are hidden under stuff. <laughs> and you don't know you have encountered one until you hit it. Amen. And so this final series of 2019 uh, is entitled Emotional Pitfalls. Ten messages that God has given us that says, as we walk by faith, do not be thrown off track, off course by your emotions. Emotions sometimes will mess you up. Amen. There's some folk home right now with their head under the cover, mad at the world because they're in their emotions. Amen. But God has given us the strength to overcome any emotion, anybody. God has given us what we need. With that in mind, this is the eighth of those ten messages as we share another emotional pitfall that God says we need to be careful of. How many of you have enjoyed God's word, amen, throughout this series? The text is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. There are two translations that we are going to read from this morning, this day, this afternoon. Now. Uh, they are the New Living Translation, and we will read that same text from the Message Bible. Here is what the Lord says to us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 from the New Living 
translation. Now, I warned you at the beginning of this series, this was one of those introspective, self-checking series. It's not designed necessarily to make you bounce off the wall, jump, shout, run up and down. If you do, then that's fine. You can praise God anytime. We've got to sing and hear holler whenever you feel like it. Amen. Whenever you think about what God has done, you sit by somebody and say, y'all make too much noise. And I suggest you go to the library next Sunday morning. Amen. But if, but if you, amen, somebody, but if you love praising God, amen, let the redeem of the Lord, somebody say, say so. Say so. Amen. Verse 26, chapter 4, the book of Ephesians. Here's what God says. Listen to this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Somebody say, mm. <laughs> Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger, wow, gives a foothold to the devil. Listen to the same text from the message translation. Go ahead and be angry. In fact, Paul says it's natural to have some sense of righteous indignation. You do well to be angry. Listen to this. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Wow. And here's the sentence I like. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. And those who love God's word said amen. Reach over and catch someone by the hand. In a year in which we walk by faith, in a series in which we are avoiding, avoiding emotional pitfalls. Here's a message that God has for all of us. Squeeze those hands, look at somebody, and simply say to them, don't stay angry. Now hold those hands again and say, get over it. Don't stay angry. Amen. Don't stay angry. Don't stay angry. Haven't you been mad too long? Anger doesn't look good on you. Oh, I'm preaching now. Amen. Listen, there's a wonderful book that I was able to come across in the preparation for this message some time ago. The book is titled Anger Management for the 21st Century. You see it. I put a screenshot up there for you so you can see it. Just keep that up there. Look at those faces. Anger Management for the 21st Century. 
Now, if I didn't know better, I'd think some of those folk go to Bible way. <laughs> I don't know. Deacon Johnny, some of those faces look familiar to me. Amen. But in this book, the authors of the book, Dr. Tony Ferrara and Ari Novick, writes this. They say that there aren't many things that can ruin your life like the inability to manage your anger. I'm preaching to someone now. There aren't many things that can ruin your life like your inability to manage your anger. Listen. Although there are, and the authors of this book point this out, there are some legitimate reasons for being angry. I'm not here to tell you uh, that we should never be angry. The Bible, in fact, doesn't say that. We'll get to that in the text. But anger aroused by illegitimate reasons can be an, em an emotional pitfall in your life that not only damages your relationship with others, but it also negatively impacts your relationship with God. I'm going to let you in on something because, see, a whole lot of folk hang around us are not loving us enough to tell us the truth. No one likes to be around somebody who's always angry. Unless it's another person <laughs> who's always angry. Amen. Am, am I right, Deacon Clarence? We, we find a way to avoid them. You find a way to, well, you got time to play golf? Not, not, not today. I got to change my oil today. I got I to gotta do something today. And folk who one day says, I, I have a hard time finding folk to want to hang out with me. Because sometimes your attitude determines who wants to be in the environment that you set up. Ooh, illegitimate anger can become an emotional pitfall. And it not only ruins that relationship with others, but let me tell you, it impacts our relationship with God. I said earlier, and I mean this, there are folk today, it is now 12.15 Sunday afternoon, and there are folk at home mad who want to come to church. Know that they ought to be at church. But they, but they are angry at somebody else, and usually the person they're upset about have no idea that they're upset. And here's the funny thing. It doesn't ruin their life. Because they're not the one at home eating two bags of potato chips with their head on the cover that says, nobody likes me. Amen. Get over it. I'm not even saying something didn't happen to you. But how long are you going to obsess over that? Listen, 
it is well documented that uncontrollable anger is associated with several physical and mental health problems. In fact, I found this study that I put on the board for you. It was conducted in 2018 by the, a, a state called Victoria in the country of Australia. And it looked at health problems associated with anger. And I want to read it just so you can see it. And I've asked them to put it on the board. It says this. It says that the, the constant flood of stress chemicals and, and associated with the metabolic changes uh, that go with ongoing unmanaged anger, look at what it does, eventually causes harm to many different systems of the body. Some people are wondering why they don't feel so well. Perhaps look at this. It goes on to say some of the short and long-term health problems that have been linked to unmanaged anger includes these, but does not, this is not all inclusive. Headaches, digestive problems, insomnia, <laughs> increased anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems, heart attacks, strokes, and let me throw in one, obesity. You too mad to go exercise. Sit home and all you do eat and think you can eat away all of your troubles. These are problems. My wife is going to get me when I get home. These are problems that are associated because you can't control the emotion of anger. You are letting something that happened to you ruin your life. Listen, also, it is not surprising that those who struggle with anger management, with the lack of ability to forgive and forget, have also suffered the consequences in their lives. There are those who miss out on the blessings of God simply because they could not control the emotion of anger in their life. Amen. They ought to be somewhere better. They ought to be in a different mindset. There are folk that ought to have more, should have achieved more. The fact of the matter is it's no one else's fault. It's how you are holding on to what has happened in your life. I stopped by on this second Sunday in the month of December in the year 2019 to give you some advice. Get over it. Put it behind you. Listen, there are several examples even in the Bible. Three examples come to mind even before I get to the text. Moses comes to mind. Think with me, if you will. Moses, a man of God, chose rather to suffer the affliction with the children of God than the joy, the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses raised in Pharaoh's house to be the deliverer for what God would do with the children of Israel. Moses missed out on the promised land. 
simply because he allowed his anger to get the best of him as recorded in the scriptures. If you look at Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 through verse 12, you will see the example. The Lord told Moses, uh, Moses was upset that the people were complaining about, I need food. God sent them food. They says, how can we have food and nothing to drink? God says, I'll give you something to drink. But God said to Moses, Moses, speak to the rock. And out of the rock will flow waters that will nourish the people during their wilderness experience. Moses did not speak to the rock, but Moses struck the rock. And the Bible says in verses 11 and 12 that, that Moses was angry and his anger allowed him to disobey the instructions of God. Go to verse 12. Let me show you what God said. But the Lord said unto Moses in error, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I'm going to give them. In other words, Moses, because you allow these hard-headed, stiff-necked, knuckle-headed people uh, to throw you off course, you're going to miss out on the promised land. Moses missed the promised land because Moses couldn't control that burning force in him that allowed him to disobey the will of God. Please look at somebody and say, get over it. Moses saw it, but he didn't get there. I'm here to say that some of you are missing out on something that God has for you simply because you go to bed angry. You wake up in the morning angry. You can't control. You're still stressing over what somebody did against you five years ago. People have moved on. They've hurt 20 more people since they hurt you, and you're still upset. They don't even know your name. Don't even remember what you look like, and here you are upset. May I preach this? Second biblical example before we get to the text is Jonah. <laughs> Jonah's anger is on full display in Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to verse 3. You know the story. Just allow me to refresh your memory. God says to Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh and preach a message of redemption. And Jonah got angry. The Bible says Jonah was very angry. He was upset with God. He didn't think these people deserved to be saved. And as a result of Jonah's anger, Jonah spent three painful, miserable days in the belly of the whale. Woo, God gave me a message 20 years ago called Lessons Learned in the Belly of the Whale. Some of us don't learn our lessons until we hit rock bottom. And until something catastrophic happens to us, Jonah, three days in the belly of the whale, Jonah, Jonah learned that I'll not let these people control how I feel. What are you saying, Pastor Jackson, that if we're not careful, folk will mess us up because we are still stressing over what has happened to us and we miss out on what God has for us. And some of us hit rock bottom because we're angry over something outside of our control. 
Please look at somebody and say, don't stay angry. Here's the third biblical example that is found in Scripture before we get to the text in Ephesians. Peter, somebody say Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Gates of hell shall not prevail against Peter. The one that Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose on earth. But, but Peter had an issue with anger management. Although Peter was anointed and gifted, Peter had an issue. Peter, in fact, did more cursing than folk in the world. Peter cut the soldier's ear off. You know Peter. Peter got mad and would tell you and give you a piece of his mind at any time. Perhaps this is why Jesus in St. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, said this about Peter and no other disciple that we can find in Holy Scripture. Peter was gifted and anointed, but Jesus knew that he had some issues that he had to deal with. Jesus said to Peter, and I love this scripture, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan, ask, or he desireth to have you and to sift you as wheat. In other words, Peter, the devil wants you. The devil wants you, and the devil wants to sift you he wants to control you. He wants to destroy you as we, but notice what Jesus went on to say. This is why I love this scripture, because Jesus does not say to Peter, I decided to pray that the devil would leave you alone. That's not what he said. Am I right about it? He did not say that, Peter, I'll pray that the devil is defeated before he gets to you. He didn't say any of that, but he said, but Peter, I prayed for you. But this is what I prayed. I didn't pray that the devil didn't mess with you. I didn't pray that you don't encounter any demons in your life, but I prayed that your faith fail not. In other words, you're gonna have your struggles. You're gonna have your demons. I'm not going to take the demons away, but here's my prayer, Peter. I pray that when the devil comes upon you to eat up your flesh, that your faith will rise up and you will be strong and declare no weapon formed. Anyone in here has got the faith to fight the demons in your life. Notice Jesus did not take away any of the obstacles that Peter had to encounter. He did not pray that Peter would not encounter the devil. He said the devil desireth to have you and to sith you as wheat. But I prayed and my prayer for you, Peter, was that your faith fail not. Whoa, I'm preaching to somebody in here. God says we pray the wrong thing. We, we pray, Lord, Get that demon out of my face. God said, no, I want your faith to be strong enough that when he comes up in your face, you will smile like he's not even there. I, I want them to look at you and say, you ought to look worse than what you look like considering what you've been through. And your faith say, I don't look like what I've been through. 
because my faith has me smiling. My faith gives me joy. My faith allows me to praise God even on bad days. And though they slay me, yet will I trust God. My faith allows me to come to church despite what has gone on around me and still give God a praise. In fact, you won't be able to tell by my facial expression what I've gone through. When you look at me, you think I won the lottery. In fact, every morning I wake up, I do win the lottery. Somebody prayed, Pastor, prayed that my number hit. I said, can you breathe? They said, yes. I said, your number has hit. Y'all going to make me preach this. Can anybody think of any good thing that only God has done for you and nobody but God has done? Look at somebody and say, it's not worth losing my joy over. I know they may not like you. They may not ever like you. They will always talk about you. But just hold on a little while longer. Stop looking like what you're going through. Can I preach? May I preach? Should I preach? Grab a neighbor's hand and shake it, shake it, shake it. And say, neighbor, confuse the enemy. Look better than what you're going through. Rejoice despite what you're going through. Smile when you don't feel like it. Make yourself look good, feel good, act good. Come on, don't let anybody steal anything because things will happen in your life. But great is he that is in you than that which is against you. You've got 30 seconds to give God your best praise. Somebody know that you've got a right to be upset, but you're not going to allow it to get to you because God has been good to you. Put some things behind you. Everybody put a big smile. Some of y'all hadn't smiled all year long. You got a few more weeks. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, we all have been through something. But when I think woo, of the goodness of Jesus, and of all he's done for me, how many of you know that you won't let one demon, two demons, ten demons steal your joy? Because God has been too good to you. You know you've got a right to praise God because God has blessed you. It is of the Lord's mercies that you've not been consumed. His compassion faileth not. It is renewed every morning. Think of one thing that God did that overrides every bad thing that you... Here's what I discovered, Elder Jennifer. I discovered this. It took some health challenges for me to discover this. It took three experts. It took a great primary care physician, Brother Jeff. It took, and I went through all of that, didn't know what was going on. The devil all up in my mind. You got this, you got that. At the end of the day, he says, what are you stressing over? And then he looked me in the eyes. He said, is it worth taking 10 years off your life? I said, you don't have to say anything else 
I drove back home on the road. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. My phone rang. I cut it off. I said, I'll call you back. They said, when? I said, in about five years. <laughs> Who am I preaching to? Look at somebody and say, life is too short for you to lose one more day worrying about what somebody has done for you, to you, what they're trying to do to you and your family. Get over it. Don't you stay angry. Life is too shake it all. Look at the text. Woo. In this powerful text that the Apostle Paul writes, he talks about how to deal with certain of life's issues. It is important for you to understand something. I've got about 10 to 15 minutes and I'm done. And our, our text is written by Paul to those who he refers to in chapter 1, verse 1. This is so important. As God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ. I pointed this out because contrary to what you think, the Bible was not written for unsaved people to get philosophical ideas. The Bible is written to fuel us so that we can witness to unsaved people. How do they get saved? Can I let you in on something? I'm going to let you in on a secret. Worst thing you need when you're trying to win a new convert, don't go to lunch with a big oversized Bible sitting on the table. You read in scripture. They don't know the difference of Ephesians and Philippians. And they, most people out in the world, they couldn't tell the difference of Genesis and Revelation. All they know is Psalms 23 because they heard it at a funeral. The Bible was written to fuel us, to equip us, so that when the world sees us, they go, What's, I, I want what she has. We both lost our job, but she seemed not to allow it to bother her. We both have gone through something, Brother Span, but, but he still sings every Sunday and still smiles. And We all have challenges, but they look like they handle it different. Why? Because they have a relationship with God. So Paul writes this epistle to the Ephesians, God's holy people, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. And in chapter 4, Paul challenges these faithful believers to become even more faithful, particularly in how they interact with each other. He writes in verse 2 of chapter 4, the New Living Translation, he writes these words. Paul says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, uh, making allowance for each other's thoughts because of your love. If the world is going to be one to Christ, they're going to be one by us loving each other in, in, in a way that is not common to the world. That's what Paul says. That's what we ought to do. And then he goes on in verses 22 and 23 of chapter 4 and Paul writes this he writes throw off your old sinful nature your old former way of living 
He says, if we're going to be different, we've got to throw it off. We've got to throw off the old nature, the old former way of living, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, he tells them, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Can I tell you something? If you are a child of God, you ought to have a different kind of attitude. You ought not act like people who act who do not know their God. Amen. We act different because of our relationship with God. And then we get to the text that have been chosen for this message. Look at what Paul writes in these Two powerful verses of verse 26 and 27, Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Listen again to how he puts it in the message Bible. He says this, but don't use your anger as fuel of revenge. And don't you stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Can I give you some advice? Tonight before you get on your knees, before you put your head on the pillow and do your prayer, if there's any animosity in your heart, you ought to leave it on your knees. Don't you go to bed. Some folk go to bed mad, wake up mad, and wonder why they have high blood pressure and anxiety and wonder why they have an accelerated heart rate because you allow things to get next to you. You ought to, at the end of the day, put it in your rearview mirror and say, Lord, yes, it happened to me, but guess what? Today is over. Tomorrow is a brand new day. I have new mercies. I will not allow this to dictate another minute in my life. Is there anybody want to join me and say some things you got to put behind you? Who am I preaching? Some, somebody needs this word. God says put it behind you. Listen to these three key points before this altar call. Three key takeaways from Paul's message. Number one is this. In the text it's very clear there are times when people of faith may experience anger uh, theologians call this righteous indignation. Some things you ought to be mad at. You ought to be mad how uh, evil has prevailed. You ought to be mad how it seems that good people are mistreated, how poor people are never taken care of. Those things ought to make you upset. That's righteous indignation. But the key to righteous indignation is don't let it make you sin. There's a difference between anger and fighting. Come on, somebody. There's a difference between you feeling a sense of upset by what has happened and you are losing control and you go out and do something that embarrasses you and everybody who knows you. That allows the enemy a place in your head that he does not belong in. Can I preach to somebody here? And so here's what God says. Yes, we all go through something. We all get upset. But the key is not to allow that to convince us to do something outside of God's will. The strongest people in the world are those who can checkmate their emotions. I have come to realize in the short time that I've got remaining on this earth, 
uh, that life is too short for me to surround myself with a bunch of emotional heckle and Dr. Heck, whatever it is, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, people that are up one day, down the other day. Let me, can, I, can I tell you something? Put in your environment somebody around you that'll speak positive and life. I know things happen all around you, but life is too short for you to surround yourself in the few remaining years you got. I don't care how young you are. Life will come to an end. And when it's all over, do you want to look back over your life and say, I spent too much time in something that really does not matter. As opposed to you waking up every morning, good morning Jesus, what can I do? I'm not worried. Somebody says something about you, that's their business. Somebody doesn't like you, that's their business. I heard somebody was talking about you, they must have a bad life if they're going to spend the rest of their life talking about somebody else. But is there anybody know that God has been too good to you and you're ready to put some things behind you? Grab somebody by the hand and say, put it behind you. Shake it off. Forgetting those things which are behind, we press. We go. Anybody ready to put it behind you? Look at somebody and say, get over it. Shake it off. And here's the second part. Whew, and I need to get to this. Paul tells them not to allow the sun to go down while you're still angry. Before this day is over, I don't know what time you go to bed, but before you go to bed at night, there's some things you need to go to God about. Preach Pastor Jackson. There's some things you need to go, God, I don't need you to change them because they may not ever change. But here's what I need you to do. Change me, oh Lord. Anybody know that God can change you? Somebody lift those hands and say, change me. Oh, Lord. Because people are still going to be crazy when you wake up in the morning. But here's the difference. They may be crazy, but I won't be angry, okay? They may still act the way they do, but I'm still going to give God the glory. Anybody know that God is working something in you right now? Please look at somebody and say, don't you stay angry Tell them, don't you let it get next to you. You've got 24 hours to deal with whatever you are dealing with. But at the end of the day, it needs to be off your mind, out of your conscience. It needs to be out of your mental atmosphere. And you wake up and give God the praise for a brand new day because God's not going to put new stuff on top of your old junk. Get over it. Let it go. Don't take it to bed with you. Don't wake up with it in the morning. Hasn't it been too long? And can I let you in on something? Everything doesn't need to get off your chest. Some things you leave on your knees. Because I get sick of folks saying, I just had to confront them. I just had to get it off my... No, you don't. There ain't no scripture in the Bible that always says everything got to... Get. I know the Bible says you got an order against your brother, but this is somewhat different. This is you, Some people are not even worth you going to because all it's going to do is make the situation worse. You've got to pray, God, help me. Somebody lift those hands and say, God, change. God, change me. And here's the third and the final one as we stand to our feet all over this place. Number three, 
help me preach this. Grab somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, unrighteous, prolonged anger gives the devil a foothold in our lives. The devil is in your life because you invited him to come in. The devil is in your family because you invited him. If you go to bed with this mess, you're going to wake up with it. And if you wake up with it, you're going to take it to work with you. And if you take it to work, you're going to bring it home with you. And the devil is going to have a foothold in your life. Listen, the devil prays, not P-R-A-Y, but P-R-E-Y on your anger. The devil says, I've got you just where I want you. Because when you're angry, you can't praise God like you used to. Ooh, you can't give God the glory like you used to. But I want you to do something for me the next 60 seconds. God told me, everybody around here, lift those hands. Ooh, and God says, it's time to release. Look at somebody say, release. It's time to release something. It's time to forget those things which are behind. Stretch out to those things which are ahead. Anybody ready for God to do something in your life right now? Come on, come on, do me a favor. Put your hand right here on your head. Take it and throw it at the altar. Put it at the altar. Leave it there. Put your hands on your heart. Take it out and throw it at the altar. And tell God is in your hands now. Woo! It's in your hands now. It's in your hands now. Somebody leave your seat. Walk down the aisles. Stand at this altar and tell God I'm leaving it at the altar. I've been dealing with this too long. I've struggled too long. I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to let God. I want to set you free. I want God to set you free this morning because some of you have so much potential, so much greatness in your life. God wants to do something so powerful in your life. But you've got to let it go and let God. That's right, leave your seat, meet me at this altar. And don't you worry about who's judging you. The fact of the matter, they should have been the first one standing at this altar. Look at somebody and say, let it go. Let God. Here's what the song said. I couldn't seem to fall asleep at night. There was so much on my mind. Searching for that peace. But the peace I could not find. So then I knelt down to pray. Ooh. Look at somebody and say, you ought to pray. When you P-R-A-Y, the devil came P-R-E-Y. Can I say that again? 
He only prays when we don't pray. Somebody will catch it in the parking lot. The reason he prays on us is because we don't pray to him. When I knelt down to pray, I said, Lord, help me, please. Then he said, you don't have to cry because I supply all of your needs. Look at this. As soon as I stop worrying, worrying how the story ends, I'll let go, I'll let God, I'll let God have his way. Come on, choir. Look at somebody and say, let go, let God. Ooh, listen. I couldn't seem to fall asleep. <laughs> There's so much on my mind. I want to pray for someone else. Come on. If you're in the balcony, wherever you are, we're waiting until you I come could down. Not find. God wants to deliver someone. So today. then I kneel down to pray. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. Praying, yeah. help me, please. Ooh, yeah. Then he said, you don't have to cry. Ah, yeah. Because I'll supply all your needs soon as, soon as I stop worrying. Let go. Let go. Let go. That's when. When I stop looking at back then. Then I let go. There's so much going on. Sometimes I can't find my way. That's somebody's testimony. Oftentimes I struggle. I struggle, Lord. I struggle from day to day. I have to realize that it's not my battle. Look at somebody says it's not your battle. It's not my battle to fight. It's not your battle. I have to know. Everything will be all right soon as soon as I stop worrying. Then I let go. I let let go. Everybody lift those hands and let go. Let God. Let God. Let go. Lift those hands. Let God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let go. Say it again, Tommy. Let God. Tell somebody, let go. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. My brother. 
chapter 4 verse number 8 they are so powerful the new King James version if you can get it for us upstairs here's your assignment for this week Paul writes these words Philippians chapter 4 beginning at verse 8 finally brethren whatever things are true Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. Ooh, hmm. I love this scripture. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Look at somebody and say, change your attitude. Ooh, stop meditating on negative stuff, on negative people. This is your assignment for this week. You can't live the rest of your life obsessing over how people have treated you. You're not the only one. Take a number, stand in line. We all have been there. But Paul says, I'm not going to allow it to control my life. I'm going to think on what is good, pure, honest, good report, praiseworthy. I'm going to meditate on these things. And when you change what you're thinking about, God will change where he's taking you. Anybody ready for God to take you in a different direction? Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Catch somebody by the hand and say, Let go. Let go. Let go. Come on. Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Everyone closes your eyes. God told me to do this. Dim the lights again. They're too bright for what I want us to do. Here's what I want you to think about. There's someone in here right now. And God says, the only way you're going to be delivered it's not just you changing your attitude. Your relationship with God has to be different. Ooh. God says, I need to take you to a place. So here's my question to you. Where do you stand with God? I know you come to church. That's a great step. But do you have a relationship with God that would allow you to let some things go? and let God handle it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to wait until all your issues are solved. But after I pray this prayer, 
if there's anyone in here right now that God's challenging you to step up your relationship with him, to be in a better place than where you are now, Ooh, I don't care what anybody else says or does, this is between you and God. Because when, when, when that vertical relationship is right, all those horizontal relationships fall in place. And here's what God told me. And even if they don't fall in place, they'll fall out of your life. God's doing something that only God could do. Amen? Close those eyes. Hold those hands. And here's the prayer. Father, change me. Change me, Lord. Ooh, make me. Yeah. Come on, Francis. Do something that only God can do. Because I believe a wonderful change Ooh, is coming over us right now. Thank you, Lord. My prayer is not for you to change people who are against us because they may not ever change. But Lord, I need you to change us. Change me, oh God. Change me, Lord. <laughs> change me everybody at this altar. Like you. Change everyone under the sound of my voice. Change, change me, everyone oh viewing this by way of internet. Watch do something through, right now that only through. you can do. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Create and the church said amen. Put your arms around somebody. Say God's changing you right now. God's changing you. Come on, if you're here and you want to improve your relationship with God, meet me at this altar. Come on now. If you, if you need God to do something in your life right now, come on, stand with me right now. Change me. Change me. Somebody want. You need God to do something in your life that only God could do. If you want to join the church, we open the doors for you. But more importantly, if you want God to come into your life right now. Change me, oh God. Somebody lift those hands right now. Wash me through and through. God is calling someone. Create. Just create in me. Somebody know what God's doing. A clean heart. Somebody in this place that God's doing something. So that I. So that I. All the worshipers uh, worship you. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I need you to change me. Oh, change me. Listen. I need you. I need to lay my hands on somebody that want God to do something that only God can do in your life. You need God to change you. To make that move, oh, that change me, change me. I need you to change me, change me, hey, change me, change 
before her. Somebody know has come over. Has come over. Y'all excuse us, okay? God told me to do this. Bring that young man that just walked up here. And wonderful, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. God said it's done. God said it's done, man. First seven at this altar, God says somebody's going through something. I just want somebody that don't always come. Amen. Seven people, you know you don't usually come to the altar, but God, God's challenging you this morning. Amen. I need you to walk quickly. Come on. Otherwise, Robert Wilson, when y'all just line seven up, I just want seven on the row. After that, there can be seven more. After that, become a, God, I got to be obedient. Y'all got to help me out. Come on, y'all got to count seven. Stretch, stretch out seven right here. Well, do we have seven? How many more we have behind us? We have seven more behind? Put seven more behind. Okay, y'all said, God said, do something. I need rows of seven. Just seven right there. 
We've got to go, but I've got to be obedient to God. I'm so glad. Come on. I'm so glad. Get the all. Come on. Elders, where are my preachers? Somebody anoint him. I want y'all to anoint everybody at this altar. I need you to anoint everybody at this altar. Just anoint him. I want to pray. I'm so glad. Sometimes God moves in mysterious ways. When I woke up this morning, I felt something that was precious that God was doing and did it at 8 o'clock. And this is, was not planned. But God says there's somebody here today that before this year is over, God's going to change them, not it. In other words, God, God's going to change you. Ooh, God's going to do something in your life that only God can do. Amen, somebody. And I don't know what it is, but I know that God has something great for you. I know that the best is still yet to come. And contrary to what the enemy wants you to think, it's not over yet. Amen. God's getting ready to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can even ask or think. So come on, quiet. Tell him change. Come on, somebody. I'm so glad God's doing something right now. God told me we touch and agree. We touch and agree. Thank you, Lord. Everybody's that everybody. I'm so glad. Come on, let's celebrate as you go back to your seat. Give God the praise. I'm so glad.
everybody stand. You have come over. Yeah. Give God a praise for the word of God.